Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. This show is a safe and often fun space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. In today's episode, we are chatting with Sandy Joe. Now, I've known Sandy for years through my church, and I invited her on the show because she has a heart of pure gold, and I trust her wisdom. I honestly wasn't sure where God would lead our conversation, and you're going to notice that we talked mostly about marriage, but here are two things that I want you to notice in our conversation as you listen today. First thing I want you to notice is Sandy's wisdom on both marriage and life. We did not pre-plan anything that we discussed, yet everything was full of truth and grace. And the second thing I want you to notice in our conversation is how Sandy mentored me in this conversation. And here's what was interesting to me about this is that I think we talked a lot about marriage because that's what my heart needed most on that day. Now, you know that I do not record this podcast for me, right? Now, I always joke with my guests when I get done interviewing them. I'm like, I think that interview was for me. Even if nobody else listens, that totally blessed me and it was awesome. But of course, you know, I record these conversations because I know it's going to bless you all as well. But here's the really cool thing that I noticed about her ministering to me in an area that I particularly needed it that day is the value of older women who are have gone the road before us, who have kids who are in another stage of life as us, who've been married longer than us, having them speak into our lives. I want you to pay attention to the beauty of that when the older women mentor the younger women. It's something that is rare in our world today. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And I hope listening to us encourages you to either be a mentor or be mentored. We are all at least a few steps ahead of another woman. It doesn't matter about age always. It's just, are you a couple steps ahead of that person that we could turn back and give some words of wisdom to today? So that's what I just thought was unique about today's conversation is that, yeah, we talked about family stuff and marriage stuff and some kids stuff even, but the other cool thing that came from it is just this heart for mentoring and growing in this area of being women who raise up those around us, who raise up whether you are a woman who's in the workplace and you turn around and you find a younger woman who is just getting started in your profession and you help raise that woman up. Maybe you are a mom like I am and Sandy is, and you can turn around and help another younger mom. Maybe you're, you know, five years married and you could turn around and help the person, the couple that just got married. Whatever area it is that you are planted, look around you and see who could you mentor and then also be looking for someone to speak into your life as well. All right, now you let's talk a little bit about Sandy. In case you don't know her, you might know Sandy through her daughter, Carrie Job. but here's some more fun information you may not know about her that I just loved. So Sandy Job is a homemaker, and she enjoys spending time with her family. She loves to laugh and uses baking as a form of stress release. She's known for her quick wit, bubbly personality, and ability to brighten someone's day with a homemade treat. She's the author of a cookbook entitled Hearts Gather Here. This book is full of great recipes and inspiring family stories. Sandy is the Women's Ministries Care Pastor at Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas. 
Sandy and her husband, Mark, have three grown and married children and five grandsons. So let's welcome Sandy to the show now. Well, hello, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited that you get to be here in person with me. (laughs) It's fun. I like your little fun office. Yeah. (laughs) So Sandy, I think you're the third person I've got to do in person and I, before we jump into what we want to talk about and why I invited you on the show, I just read your professional bio to the listeners, and what is a random, maybe fun fact about you that we wouldn't know? I think I would have to say that um, a lot of things that, uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I go by Sandy, but my birth name is Caroline. I was born on inauguration day. I'm about to, I'm about to unveil my age. I was born on inauguration day when Kennedy was inaugurated into office. So I was named after his daughter Caroline. So that is my legal name. So I I get in a lot of trouble all these years because my parents called me Sandy because of the color of my hair. But all my legal documents are Caroline. So I have to make sure if anyone's buying me a plane ticket or anything with insurance that I have to give them my other name. <laughs> I don't know if I knew that about you. So Sandy isn't anywhere, even a middle name or no, anything. No. Oh my goodness. I do sign Sandy all the time, so I have it signed on my driver's license. And because people are like, who is Sandy and who is Caroline? And so at least I sign it that way so I can have something yeah. that looks real and official. But I've just, I always tell my kids, name your child what you're going to call them. <laughs> yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah, because even on your book that you have, it's Sandy, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's what everybody knows you by. Right. Very cool, fun fact. I like yeah. that. So you listeners are in on a little inside scoop here. I love it. <laughs> um, okay, I remember, so we were talking before we hit record about why I asked you to come on the show. And you. I have known you. You know, we haven't been super close, but I've been at the same church. We both go to Gateway. I, My husband and I have been there for 13 years. No, time out, 15 years, because I can always remember how long we've been there by how old our oldest daughter is. So her age is always the number of years we've been there. So she's 15. So we've been there 15 years. And I remember when we first moved to Texas, Gateway has the sweetest ministry to moms i feel like there's gateway has a lot of awesome ministries but as a new mom i remember when i found out that tuesday mornings i could go to the church and i could put my child in child care and then i could go learn something in the classroom it was just i thought that i could hear all the angels singing in that moment <laughs> you know because it was a sweet break as a mom but then also i got to go learn and gateway just poured so much into me you were one of those women who 15 years ago, when I would drop my little, you know, infant off, I'd come and I never knew who was speaking and, but it was always somebody good. And I remember, you may not even remember this. It's funny that 15 years later, I still remember you were teaching on something and I, and I remember you gave like a little practical tip about mealtime. And if you said, if you didn't know, um, you were talking about like, 
make cultivating a, a good atmosphere in your home, you know, and everything for your husband and right. your kids and things like that. Right. And you, do you know what I'm about to say? I you, don't. You're like, what is she going to say? <laughs> um, I remember you saying, if you don't know what's for dinner or you haven't, you know, and your husband, you know, he's going to be home soon, throw an <laughs> onion in the microwave and it'll make the house smell like you're already <laughs> cooking something. And I think I did that yeah. a few times. And <laughs> That's um, true. You can still do that. Yeah, I know. I, I've seriously, every time I look at an onion, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got that trick up my sleeve if I need to. So we go way back then. Um, but you, if you want to share with us a little bit about, like, you and your husband been in ministry for how long then? Well, we've been married this year 42 years. Wow. And so we both were in ministry prior to getting married and then um, just in high school. And then um, we went into full-time ministry two weeks after being married. So... 42 years wow. in full-time ministry. Yeah. yeah. And so he's, you're, are you both pastors now? We are. Okay. Yeah. So I know you have a, a big heart for pastors wives, but then also just for women and teaching us how to, like I said, that was a silly little thing that I remembered from you that was a practical thing, but oh, you've also, that. you know, yeah. taught me a lot about heart stuff. And so that's why I wanted you to come talk to the listeners today, because I just feel like so many women are craving other women to come alongside them and go, hey, you can do it. And here's some practical things. Here's also some, you know, spiritual things, some right. different things like right. that. And so how, what would you say, I mean, you've been married 42 years. Um, what would you say to the woman listening who's maybe at the beginning of her marriage journey and going, how do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are some practical tips for a healthy marriage along the way that you've learned? I would say, um, I think a healthy marriage takes two, but you always have to make sure that you do your part. You know, a lot of times when we know things need to change in our marriage, we always have a tendency to focus on the other person. So I had to learn to focus on my own issues, on my own frustrations, on my own anger. And so I started realizing probably way too far into my marriage that if I would work on me, and let the Lord work on my husband, that he could do a much better job. Now, I would forget that sometimes, and I would try to change Mark or preach to Mark or whatever, and that that never went well. <laughs> it just made things worse. So when I realized, hey, my role is to work on me and pray for him and support him and honor him, the Lord was a much better corrector. He was even stronger than I could be sometimes. So... Um, I think healthy marriage, stay in love, do things that you enjoy doing together, continue to date. We're empty nesters. We still have date night. I still dress up for date night. I mean, you know, just I, I want I want to be the best looking thing for him. And um, I want to still turn his head. And so I think just constantly continue to work on yourself and your own issues, and let the Lord work on your spouse. Yeah. Why do you think that's so hard for us? Is that kind of opposite of what the world teaches with marriage, or why is that hard for us all to come to that conclusion? <laughs> I would say because we are selfish beings, mm -hmm. and so it's easier to point at somebody else. It's easier to blame the other person. It's easier to shift everything and let somebody else carry the burden instead of owning our own attitude, owning our own 
disappointment, you know, owning our own things that cause us to have resentment in our relationship or have frustrations or to compare. Oh my goodness, comparison is a horrible, horrible emotion or something that we deal with in marriage and in so many other areas of our lives too, especially now with the way social media paints everything. We were talking about that before the show started of we all see the brochure portrait of what life should be and what marriage is and how beautiful things should be. But, you know, if if we had a brochure of what it's really like, we probably wouldn't have too many takers, you know, but it's, it's just constantly working on the things that, that you need to work on yourself to have a healthy marriage. Yeah. And I love too, what you said about that when you pray for your spouse, the, you know, when you're working on yourself and you pray for your spouse, things start to shift. That's a, that was a big turning point in our marriage as well. I remember that very vividly when I started to actually pray for him, the Lord changed me first. You know, it's, yes. it's so funny when you pray for other people, whether it's your spouse or anybody, um, it is the Lord will kind of start to point things out in your own heart. And you're like, oh, wait, but I was praying for them. Right. Because <laughs> that's so often, Rachel, so many times what we're frustrated with in our spouse, we have the same thing in our own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the word, the Bible talks about not trying to take a splinter or a log out of the other person's eye. Look at, you know, sweep your own porch. The Bible doesn't say sweep yeah. your own porch, but... Sweep your own porch, you know, look at your, look at your own self and see an area that maybe you're not so perfect in either. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. So how do we get over then the comparison piece that you mentioned? Like, cause I, I completely agree with you. And it's interesting to me when I've counseled couples and they'll, you know, share something that they're going through and I'm like, oh yeah, that's common. They're like, it is. And I'm like, yeah, but. People just don't go around talking about that they're also struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. We don't just sit and talk with our friends about all the hard things. You know, right. we all brag to each other about the raise we got or the whatever, which is great to, you know, celebrate with each other. But then we don't always bring the hard things together right. with each other. So were you ever able to do that with your marriage? Did you ever have friends or a community that you could bring both the good and the bad to? We did. Um we used to call them young married life group when we first, you know, started in ministry. And I remember life group was so important to us as young married that even, and we met every Wednesday night with all these other couples. And if, even if one of our kids were sick, one of us would still go to life group. We would take turns staying home. And I look back on that and I think that it was because it was so life giving to us that I, we've always been in some kind of life group, whether we host one, lead one, whatever. We do something to help pour into young couples because we remember that's where we got so much life and so much encouragement of, you know, you're able to share things that you're struggling with with your children or in your marriage or whatever, and not in any way to uncover your spouse, but just in reality and so to hear somebody say, oh, yeah, this is how we struggled with that, and this is how we overcame. But the whole comparison thing, I really think that comparison can be crippling in mm-hmm. any relationship, whether it's friendship, in your family, but especially in your marriage, because we always can see that, you know, somebody has it better, or somebody has it 
um, doesn't struggle or whatever, which is unreal. It's really unrealistic. But I know a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a girl and she said, you know, I just, I, I didn't know her. And um, she said, I've watched you for a long time. And you're, you and your husband just seem to have so much love for one another. And you're just so kind to one another. I want that. And I immediately thought, you don't know what we've had to face or fight through or work through to get here. And we do. We love each other. I, I think more than we did when we married 42 years ago. We were high school sweethearts, married right out of high school. But we went through some hard, dark times. And it's hard when your kids are little and you really, we couldn't afford to do a lot of date nights. And, you know, so we had to get creative with all that. But we started learning the importance of nurturing our relationship. And the comparison thing will cripple you. So you have to, you really have to just recognize it for what it is and stop it. Mm, I love that. Comparison is crippling. Let's put that on a quote graphic right there because I think we all need that. I feel like every single time, comparison, I feel like comes up in almost every episode, even if that's not what we set out to Mm -hmm. talk about. It's like, whoop, there it is, you know, (laughs) behind every curtain, there's probably comparison there of some sort. And that's just a really great reminder about in the marriage, like, because, man, the moment you start to, I love also how you were like, you need to recognize it and then stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, just stop. Just once, you know, once you recognize that that's what's happening. Right. Just, no, I'm, no, that does not serve me. Thank you, comparison, for the invitation. But I decline yeah. and move along. And, yeah. And what goes right along with that in the marriage with comparison is when you start comparing, then you start getting angry and resentful and Uh, blaming your spouse of, well, our life could be better if you, this could be better if you, instead of saying, okay, I want us to have a a closer relationship. I want us to enjoy being together more, whatever. So you have to do as the wife or as the spouse that wants change, start changing, being the change agent, Mm. you know, do the things. We have a thing in our, our marriage that we laugh about, but we tell people this all the time. We we do have an opportunity to speak at a lot of marriage things at, with different churches, and um, we always bring this up. So when we begin to feel like we're drifting apart or frustrated with one another or feeling a little bit of resentment or whatever, we start trying to outserve one another. So what does that look like in a practical way? Sometimes it's if I get up to get a drink, I'll offer can I get you something to drink or can I get you anything? Or, you know, it sounds stupid in a way, but we have realized that once you, once you serve and have a heart to serve, all that other stuff kind of melts away Mm. because the enemy wants you to stay at odds with each other in your relationship, no matter what the relationship in your home with your kids, with your friends, he wants there to be that source of contention. He wants to isolate you from each other because it's in those times of isolation where he can attack you and take you out. Mm, Isolation. I also really love that you, the outserve thing, it goes back to you, you making a decision for things just to be different in your marriage. Do you feel like that's something along the way you kind of have to decide like, I'm not letting the enemy have this territory, you know, right. and making those hard choices going against what our flesh wants, because our flesh wants to stay selfish. My flesh doesn't want to outserve. <laughs> My flesh wants to say, how can you serve me? You know, right. what it's, what's in this for me? 
Yeah, uh, or it's your turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or why do I always have to be the initiator? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that a lot of like, I'm. why do I have to initiate date night? Or why do I always have to plan date night? You know, and that's not the truth. I just don't give him time mm-hmm. and the opportunity to plan, you know, because we always laugh about this. Um, a lot of times I'm like, okay, tonight's your night to plan. You plan where we're going, what we're going to do. He's like, well, do you want to have any input? I'm like, that's not you initiating. Well, it is. He's wanting to be a team, and you know, because he's like, okay, I can choose, but I know that it might not be really what you're hungry for or what, what we want to do. Mm-hmm. If you want that, is that what you're saying? And I was like, no, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I think I have an unrealistic fantasy thought of it's just going to be this fairy tale night. Well, I, it can be, but we are a team, and we know what we like to eat. We know where we like to go. It is fun sometimes for that you know moment of um, surprise or element of surprise in different things. But you know, if I put too many unrealistic expectations, then I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, and then then he's in trouble because he didn't choose what I wanted him to choose. Mm-hmm. You know, which sounds super immature, but I'm just being honest because we walked through that for a long time of, is that really what initiation looks like? Is that really what I'm looking for? No, it's not. I want him to say, hey, let's do something fun tonight, and then we can both have input Mm. on what that's going to look like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you just painted a really pretty picture of what communication should look like because... Like you guys having to get to the bottom of, wait, hold on, what is initiation? You know, like we say we want something, but we don't even know what that definition is until we stop and go, hold on, what is that really for us? Mm -hmm. Is it you planning the whole night without any input from me? Or is it just you brought up the idea of date night (laughs) and that was enough. And and now we can both, you know, do this as a team. And so let's talk about communication then for a little bit. Was that something that you guys have had to wrestle through it all like learning to communicate well or oh absolutely yeah because I have this unrealistic uh, fantasy thought that a relationship or a beautiful marriage was the husband just being this fantastic leader leading in every area leading in spiritually financially whatever yeah in every area and so with that it was unrealistic in the fact that I never I didn't think that that there had to be collaboration on both parts. So let let me break that down a little bit. Like financially, we share this in in marriage retreats a lot. For years, I have a background in finance. And so for years, I paid the bills. And I'm very organized. And um, so I'm about to age myself again. I like the checkbook balance to the penny. To this day, I like it balanced to the penny. I don't know why. I just do. And that is not a big deal to my husband. If he's in the ballpark of, you know, knowing how much is in the checking account or whatever, he was always good with that. And so in frustration, one time I said, okay, I'm turning this over to you. I'm not going to do this anymore. And he was like, okay, I'll take it. You know, and that was all. And I was like, okay. So I got it all together. Everything was balanced, ready to go. I'd written out what gets paid when. I mean, I just handed him this beautiful package of our bills. And so he said, thank you, and just put it in the in the cabinet of the desk. I kept waiting for a trophy or an award certificate of something 
a thank you of, oh my gosh, you did such a great job. I didn't get any of that. Well, then I was resentful and angry because he doesn't do it the way I do it. And I can do it in a flash. I can pay bills in five minutes and it really can take him a lot longer. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm not dishonoring him in saying that. It just, I don't know. It just takes him longer. And so I realized not only in that area, but many other areas in our marriage where I had prayed even, you know, Lord, let him be a leader, make him a strong leader. I didn't realize that just because he wasn't leading the way I wanted him to lead or that I lead, that he wasn't being a leader. I had to lay down my pride. I had to lay down my own expectations of, you know, he he would still get the bills paid. He doesn't do it the way I do it. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means he does it differently mm-hmm. in so many different areas. But a lot of it, when we talk about communication, I had to communicate to him a few things that may sound silly to you, but I like it when he blows the garage out with the blower or the broom or, you know, sweeps it out, whatever. I don't like leaves and stuff in the garage. That's just important to me. I don't like anything on the garage floor. I like to be organized and my friends make fun of me, but whatever. Um, and so I've tell, I had to tell him, this is important to me that you do this way. And so, or not, not the way you do it, but that he do that. And so the same with him. Sometimes we'll sit down and say, okay, is there anything not in a time of frustration <laughs> or on date night. We don't do that on date night. But a lot of times we will say to each other, is there anything that I could change to be a better wife? Is there anything that I could do to serve you better? And I'm really sincere in that because we're to the point in our marriage where I, I do want him to have input so that I can change. I want to be the best for him that I can be. That phrase you just said, I think is life-changing for marriage and really I think for any healthy relationship of this is important to me. Uh, Just that simple, you know, but just really letting people know, hey, these these are the things that matter and these are things that really don't. Because I'm opposite of you. I don't care what our garage looks like, yet my husband loves our garage to be nice and orderly and he'll spend an entire day doing the garage. And I'm like, but wait, Inside the house is a hot mess. Hold on. You know, I mean, (laughs) thank you that you just did that, but that didn't really mean a whole lot to me. You know, so those those conversations are so good because it goes back to the whole love languages thing, too. You know, you're doing all this stuff and you think, man, I'm really serving and they're not receiving. And it's because you're not speaking their language. Right. You're doing things that just don't matter. Love languages. We could do a whole month on that. But there's so many things in communication that we struggle with because it's unspoken expectations. Yep. And, you know, the unrealistic is another topic, but the unspoken, they can't read our minds. You know, I had a counselor tell me one time, Sandy, he really doesn't think that way. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. How does he not think that way? It is like always on the forefront of my, my mind. And she said, that's the way you're made. He doesn't think that way. So you have to communicate. So I hated doing that. It was like, you know, because I was going through that whole thing of, I want him to initiate relationship. I want to know that he wants to be with me, that he wants to plan things, that he wants us to do special things together. And that's when, you know, she was like, you have to communicate. I'm like, well, then it's not him initiating if I have to communicate. 
She was like, no, you really need to work on that, on you, because communication communicates how you want him to initiate. So Mm. it's just, it's a learning curve. I mean, here we are 42 years in, and we still try to learn. I mean, we, we every year go to a marriage conference. We do things to keep things alive in our own marriage to be better. We, I love, always say that I love tools, uh, power tools. I got a new blower last year for Christmas. It was the best thing I ever got. Um, maybe not the best thing, but I mean, I love it because I like to keep the garage blown off, mm-hmm. <laughs> blown out, and which sounds funny, but it's just the same thing in marriage. There's so many tools that you need to avail yourself to, and not every tool is for everybody. Mm. You might need a different kind of a tool than I need, mm-hmm. but there's so many tools that we should avail ourselves to, podcast, teaching, conferences, and not in a way to be degrading or dishonoring to your husband, but in a way that you can better yourself so that your husband can better himself and you be an amazing team together. Yeah. And I also appreciate that you just said, you know, you guys have been married almost for the 42 years, yet you still invest. You know, it ha- you haven't stopped investing in doing these things, the date nights and the marriage conferences, because you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. if you stop that – things might, you know, your relationship might get a little rocky. And I can relate to that. We've been married uh, 16 years. And I, you know, sometimes people are like, wow, same thing kind of you mentioned earlier, you guys seem to have it all together. But I'm like, actually, two nights ago, we got into a fight. You know, I'm like, I no, we still fight. Like, yeah. We still have stuff. We still have disagreements. And um, but thankfully, because we've invested in our marriage and because like this coming weekend, we're going to a marriage conference. We have more tools now right. for when those fights come or when we don't see eye to eye or when we, you know, different things come up. I feel like we're just better equipped now right, <laughs> to handle it and to right. get through it quicker than, you know, usually would have taken, we'd still be mad at each other a couple of days later, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I appreciate you bringing that up too. Um, well, we've already spent most of our time talking about marriage, which well, we, di- we didn't plan to no. do. Um, I told you we'd let the Lord lead, but you guys also have kids. So I do want to touch on that a little bit. You have three kids, we right? Do. And so how did raising kids come into all of this that we're talking about here? I mean, it's one thing to manage a marriage, and then you throw kids into the mix. And that, I felt like we have three kids also. That you know made things even more fun <laughs> mm-hmm. and more interesting. So do you have any words of wisdom for the woman listening who does have children and is married and is trying to figure out how to do it all? My encouragement is take a deep breath and enjoy the gifts that God's given you in your spouse, in your kids. Even if your marriage is not where you want it to be today, never underestimate the power of prayer. Mm. ever because that is where things change is in prayer first um god loves marriage he created it he loves our children he gave them to us and be the best that you can be so you know we were preachers i mean we were pastors our kids whole lives so uh even my daughter yes mentioned yesterday about being a pk and i was like oh yeah you are oh, I kind of forgot. I mean, you know, because it's just who we were, what we did. And so whether your kids are PKs or whatever state that, you you know, whatever position that your kids are in, our kids are all grown. They're all married, have their own families. And it's sweet now to watch them 
raising their own families. But I think that just no matter what season you're in, be grateful for what the Lord's given you. Stop the comparison and um, begin to pray about the things that you want changed, whether it's in your children or with your spouse. Pray because the Lord says to pray about everything. And to me, everything is everything. I laugh at that sometimes because I'm like, Lord, is this silly that I'm praying about this? And he was, and I always think about that scripture that says pray about everything. And so whatever the need is, whatever you're wanting to change in your own life, in your marriage, with your children, pray about it, you know, and trust that you'll see things change. I have to say that again. Pray about everything and everything is everything. Okay, I feel like we've all heard the pray yeah, about everything right. piece, but you just tacking that little thing there at the end, everything is everything. You know, mm-hmm. like don't mm-hmm. think, oh, this is too small, it doesn't matter, or this is silly or whatever. I, I have to stop myself on that too because I'm going, I either believe God cares about it all right, or he doesn't, right. you know, what do I really want to believe? And I'm like, no, I want to believe he cares about it all. So that's good. It's simple, but it's powerful. Right. Yeah. And he does. He really Mm -hmm. does care about it all. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So one other thing I wanted to talk about, you have a cookbook called Hearts Gather Here, and it's a a compilation of recipes and stories from Mm -hmm. around the table. So something else I feel like you do really well is just creating an atmosphere Obviously, you do it in your marriage, as we can hear this, but I feel like you that carries over into your home, you know, I imagine in your home with your children and right. growing up and grandkids now, but then also just out and, you know, when you welcome other people into your home or, you know, as you do ministry. So what do you have any tips for us on how we can be women who steward that kind of atmosphere of just welcoming, inviting, even if we don't necessarily feel like we have the gift of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, and it's still such a great passion that I have. The cook, My cookbook really originated just out of sharing recipes with people all the time and being in church ministry our whole lives. Anytime somebody had a baby, had surgery, you know, we would be on a team and we didn't just, we didn't send Grubhub or Uber Eats or any of that. We would, you know, split a meal and somebody would make the main dish and somebody else would do the veggies or we would, you know, I would split a meal with somebody else and make the dessert or whatever. But the table time was always super important in our home growing up. We had several rules around our table. We didn't answer the phone during mealtime because it seemed like invariably there was always somebody that in the church that had a need and they always called it mealtime. And so we did start to see that our kids needed us to prioritize them. And that so my favorite slogan is always take time for the table. So my husband and I still every single night eat dinner at the table. Now, during the snow days that we had recently, we did watch a movie and we ate on TV trays. Uh, okay, so for us, a TV tray, we laugh about this. I get a cookie sheet and I put a a cute towel on it, and I set a place setting on it. And so we have a movie chair that's a a double-wide lounge chair type thing, and we ate, I think we had chili dogs, you know, because when it snows in Texas, it's either chili (laughs) soup or something fun, comforting food. But um, we ate, so we didn't eat at the table that night. We ate on our TV trays. 
But it was always super important that that our kids knew that mealtime was not going to be a time of correction. It was going to be a time to relate. And so we always asked them questions around the table. Uh, they gave their highs and lows. And sometimes they would roll their eyes of like, I'm sure they thought, can we just eat tonight? Why does this always have to be, you know, a session or whatever? And we never wanted it to be that way. But it, it always felt like that was the one time of the day that we were all together within 36 inches of each other, looking in, in each other's eyes and could see. You know, I I always think and remember that when you're sitting across the table from someone, whether it's your girlfriend at lunch or at, you know, having tea or coffee with someone, or we do a lot of uh, ministry with couples, when we do it at the table is where you can really look and see if they're struggling, if there's some area that the Lord puts in your heart maybe to speak into. In the same way with your kids, you can tell if they're struggling with something. We never, it was never correction, a time for correction. It was always a time of encouragement. And um, we did special things like we let them plan the menu or we would do their special, you know, their favorite meals or whatever. And my cookbook, I'm not here to push my cookbook, (laughs) was, is about stories, you know, just relating to where I got that recipe or I don't think there's any really original recipes. You take it, you take a recipe, you adapt it the way you like it. You add a spice, delete a spice, whatever, and then it becomes yours. So that's what it's about, and just different stories around the table. Um, table time's super important to us every single day, whether it's my husband and I or whether with other people. We always take the time to do something. You know, even at birthdays, it was there. We have blessing time around the table. If it's somebody's birthday, everybody at the table goes around and speaks a birthday blessing. It can just be an encouraging word, you know, something that you like about them. When your kids are little, you know, you have to break it down to their understanding and to their level of um, of age, age appropriateness or whatever. But it's I remember one of my favorite things is – um, we hosted Thanksgiving a few years ago, and we have like 35 in our family. And the Lord put it in my heart for us to draw a name. And so I put, I did a jar of the adults and a jar of the children. And so they drew, whichever age you were, you drew a name. And we went around the room, and, my, you know, I knew my family would, some of them would be like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Can we just have the turkey and dressing now? But I was like, it's my home. It's my opportunity, you know. So what we did was everybody drew a name, and you just had to say either one word or a sentence about that person that you loved about that person. And it was so sweet, Rachel, because what started out is just this, you know, felt a little awkward. Not everybody had ever done that before. But by the time we got to the end, it was so precious. We were all in tears of just hearing each other speak life over one another And that was the table time at Thanksgiving, you know, but hearing the cousins look at each other and say, I just love how you're always for me. You never leave me out. You always invite me to be a part of the game. I mean, you know, it's people expose their heart during family time, during table time. And um, so I never want to miss an opportunity for our kids, our grandkids or whatever 
at table time. Yes. Well, I love your heart so much, Sandy, (laughs) because I can vouch for you on the cookbook thing. In fact, I'm the one who forced you to bring your cookbook (laughs) to me and talk about it because, no, I know you're not pushing it. But I just think it's a sweet gift for, you know, people to be able to get their hands on. And I remember, well, two things came up for me. One the truffle recipe is in the book, right? The peanut butter truffles peanut butter is the truffles. most requested recipe. Yes. Yeah. I still have memories of being at gateway events, serving on something, and <laughs> rumors would be going around that Sandy's truffles are here. <laughs> they funny. were I think they lasted five minutes or something, you know, <laughs> before they were all gone. But um, yeah, it, but to me, so that's just so sweet. Obviously, they taste amazing. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also just neat that, that's something that you bring community with, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like something that Mm -hmm. tastes good and, you know, is good, yummy to our taste buds also can bring just sweet community and conversation. And, and I absolutely second the table thing because that was, I'm I'm a PK actually, youngest of five. And in our household, that was one thing my family always did. Same thing every night, you know, dinner at the table. And just recently, I think it was, uh, I had my dad on my podcast a couple of years ago and oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was really sweet. And I had asked him a question. Some listeners had asked something like, how do you keep the family? Because our family is still really close. We have five of kids in the family. And that's our favorite thing to do. Even now, we're all very grown adults. And we still get together and sit around and sweet. eat and have that's conversations. Mm-hmm. And my dad brought that up. He said, honestly, it was the table time. You know, wow. he's like, that's he's like, that's the biggest, you know, he's like with everything that is, you've got going on, if you can come together just right. that once a day and have that, just like you said, that eyeball. It's so important. And I know, you know, there were several times that I had the opportunity to teach on that at Gateway in different various women's ministry um, opportunities or whatever. And it's so important because it was amazing to me how every time I share on that, somebody will come up in tears and say, I'm embarrassed to tell you, we've never sat down as a family at the table. Yeah. Or table time is horrible in our home. Our kids scream and cry. And so I'm always able to just give them some practical ways of, you know, don't make it all about the food. Yeah. It's it's about being together. And then I other always have moms, too, or wives that say, you know, well, I have to feed my kids early because my husband gets home late. So I, you know, we never eat together. And so I always tell them, hey, if that happens, make the meal. Eat half of your meal with your kids so you can have table time with them and save half of your meal to have with your husband so you can sit down with him when he gets in. The enemy doesn't want us to have strong families. He doesn't want us to have strong anything when anything that has to do, you know, with um, a strong Christian family. But there's always things that you can do. You know, you can find excuses. We can find an excuse for anything. But if you want to build relationship, Table time helps with it. Yeah. Okay, this is a great way to end because usually at the end of my show, I will come back on after the guest has left and give just some practical tips. I'm all about practical. I love the heart encouragement stuff, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm also like, okay, how do we take what we discussed today and make it relevant in your everyday life? Because I want the listeners to walk away with, oh, okay, this is how I can apply that. Right. So instead of me coming back on without my guests, I'm you're sitting here. So let's Aww, let's. Why don't you? You just gave us some practical tips on 
if the person listening is going, I would love table time, but those were a couple of practical tips you gave. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any other practical tips on that particular topic? Of It didn't even have to be, you know, like we live in such a, a crazy, busy world of order food or pick up food or whatever. That's fine. It doesn't have to mean that you have to get a cookbook and cook everything. There's a lot of people that don't cook. So pick up something, you know, and go ahead and pop cut an onion, stick it in the microwave for three minutes, get that smell going. And they come in and it might, you might be having pizza or whatever, but just we are sensual people. And so when you smell that, you immediately begin to hunger for the table. And so I think just whether you're picking up food, having food delivered, you know, I still try to set a table, even if it's just my husband and I, even if it's just the you know, light a candle, just do something to change the atmosphere. We as women have an amazing ability to change the atmosphere in our home. We can take a stressful, crazy, hectic atmosphere. We have that ability. God gave us that ability to change it. So whether you need to turn on some music, light a candle, whatever, even if you're having pizza, if you're having McDonald's tonight, whatever, You can change the atmosphere in your home and make it fun and special, you know, and not a forceful, stressful, hectic. If your home is hectic and chaotic, you need to look at your own soul Mm. because we have the ability as the homemaker to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Preach, sister, (laughs) preach. No, and you know, I mean, when we talked about the heart too, another practical um, thing that I was thinking about in marriage is if you want something to change, take a minute, take a deep breath, and change your verbiage. Instead of saying, why did you do that? You know, or why, whatever, that makes the other person defensive, whether it's with your child or with your spouse. And just change some of your vocabulary. Instead of saying, why did you do that? You can say, can you help me understand? You know, or help me know, talk talk to me more about that. Or... Can you better explain what you meant when you said, you know, we don't, one thing that um, we always really tried to do with our children growing up, and even now in our own relationship, is not to speak to one another in a way that you don't want to be spoken to, even as adults. Yeah. You know, we we know that with little kids, don't talk to your brother that way, don't speak to your sister that way, but we'll turn around and snap at our spouse you know, and be hateful and ugly. So take a step back and say, why, what's in my heart that made me react that way? What do I need to forgive? How do I need to change? What do I need to pray about so that I can respond better? We need to be responders, not reactors. Mm. And when, if we're reactors, we have an issue that we need to deal with. There's unforgiveness somewhere you can say you forgive, but if you still are holding it over somebody's head, that's really not forgiving. You need to be able to release. Yeah. And allow the Lord to change them. Yeah. I love that question, what's in my heart? It's kind of a scary question to ask, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know if I want to know what's in there. Right. But when we don't like what keeps coming up, mm-hmm. you have to eventually stop and deal. Right. I was thinking... Today, um, too, when I was driving over for this um, session today, I was thinking about, I heard a story. I think it was one of my daughter's friends. Her husband was out of town. She was going to that Tuesday morning Bible study 
so excited about it. You know, uh, at Gateway, at this time, I don't know what it is today, but at this time, you could put your child in in the child care. We call it children's ministry because they always have mm-hmm. some kind of ministry going on. But you put your children in ch- children's ministry. You would go to the Bible study, and then there was like an hour where you could go to lunch, go to the grocery store, what, do whatever, and then come back. It was a little bit of an extended time and pick up your children. And so her husband was out of town. She was so looking forward to the Tuesday morning time. She did everything the night before, got the backpacks ready, got the lunches made, all the things that we moms have to do to just try to get out the house the next morning. And, I mean, everything fell apart the next morning. She had a three-year-old and a newborn. Husband's out of town. She was so frustrated because she was already going to leave leave late. The three-year-old was not cooperating with anything, wouldn't get dressed, wouldn't put his shoes on, wouldn't, you know, I mean, it was just a fight, a fight, a fight. And finally, she just put everything down. She stopped, and she sat down in the floor, and she said, okay, we're not going to go. Let's just take a minute. And she held her little three-year-old in her lap, and she said, I'm sorry, Mommy was frustrated this morning. We're not going to go. I'm going to spend time with you this morning. Can you tell me what your heart needs? And he completely relaxed in her lap, started crying, and she said, what are you feeling? And he said, I just feel like I need you to hold me. Mm. And so the mom's crying, he's crying. She just held him, literally. She said, I held him real tight for about 15 seconds. And then he broke loose and he said, oh, mama, can we go to our class now? He was over it. But in in that 15 seconds, did I say minutes? I said, I meant seconds. 15 seconds by her just saying, what does your heart need? Whether he needed anything or not, he just needed her to hold him to Feel that moment of security, whether he was feeling frustrated and heck with all the hectic chaos, whatever. Who knows what a three-year-old's true needs are? But when she got down on his level, eye to eye, and said, what does your heart need? A hug healed it all. Mm. She said, we loaded up the car. It was great on the way. We sang songs, and I still got to do all my Tuesday morning things. So a lot, that's a lot of times what we need to do as women. Take a step back and say, what does my heart need right now? Or what does my child's heart need? Or what does my husband's heart need? The Holy Spirit will show us. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. And I got chills as you were explaining that because I thought how many of us need to sit with the Lord. And like, he's asking that question today. What does your heart need? Like just even the 15 seconds. That's crazy how it can just shift. And I've seen that in my own Mm -hmm. life too, but we don't slow down long enough usually. Same. (laughs) Yeah. I'm raising my hand too. Yes. Well, Sandy, this has been so good. Okay. So if the listeners want to connect with you after they listen to this episode, how can they do that? Um, You have a website, right? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Sandyjob.com for the cookbook. Um, I think you can email me through that. Yeah. You know, just go but, to her website. Yeah. yeah. But I'm at Gateway. Yes. I'm at Sandy with a Y yeah. dot J-O-B-E yeah. at gatewaystaff.com. Okay. Perfect. So. Any other final words of encouragement for the listeners today? You know, way to go. <laughs> I, I'm, I just want to cheer you on and say, even, even for hanging out and listening today, and I may have said something that you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it might not be for you. But I pray that somehow a seed was planted in your heart of hope to know that no matter what you're going through with your children, 
what you're going through in your own life or what you're going through with your spouse. Just know that God cares about it. Lay it before him. Pray about it. And let him change. He Amen. wants to. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to come on today. It was Can't my pleasure. Thanks for, for being. The let me be here. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I know today's interview was a little longer than these normally are, and so I'm going to keep this section a little shorter, but very powerful. I don't know about you, but when Sandy brought up that point about prayer, it really stuck with me. So here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with this and challenge you with this today. I'm calling it the pray about everything challenge. And everything is all caps, everything. Now, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Did you notice that Sandy brought that up? And I love how she said, and everything is everything. So here are two things I want you to do today. What is everything to you today? And here's what I mean by that. What are the little things that maybe you would not have even considered that, oh, I could pray about that? Make a list of those things. You could do it in your head or, again, if you like to do pen and paper or a note on your phone, things that are just causing you to be a little bit anxious, that you're a little worried about. What are those things? And then once you've wrote those things down, commit to praying over that list and don't discount anything. All right, let me pray a blessing over you and we will go. So, Father, we thank you that you say we can pray to you about everything and that you care about all of it. There are no prayer requests that are too big or too small. So we choose to bring everything to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that concludes our show for today. Hey, if you loved today's episode, would you consider leaving a review? It helps new listeners find the show so they can be encouraged and pointed in the direction of Jesus and God's word. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.